So please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Really excited to be in the book of Philippians tonight. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at the first 18 verses uh, this evening. Would you pray with me and just calm your heart and welcome the Holy Spirit into your home and into your heart. So, Father, we thank you that you are the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, that gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding. And we pray tonight that you would meet us in the battle of our thoughts, in, in the battle of our minds, and that our thoughts could be fixed upon you, that we would take our thoughts captive, that you would move through this study. Please send this Holy, your Holy Spirit into our hearts, into our time together. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Isaiah 26, it says that we're kept in perfect peace as our minds are stayed on him, on the Lord. So you have probably noticed in your life when your mind gets off of the Lord and it gets on your circumstance. As things have been so crazy this week, you go to the grocery store and you can't find some of the things that you're used to finding, the eggs and the milk and, the, of course, the, the toilet paper. And it starts to cause your mind to get to a place where you can be in worry and anxiety. The concern over finances and the loss of jobs and the closing down of, of restaurants. And before you know it, we're sucked down into this black hole of, of worry. And God says if we keep our mind fixed upon the Lord, then we're going to be kept. He's going to keep us in perfect peace. And that's why the book of Philippians is so good for us right now. The Apostle Paul mentions the mind ten times. Ten times he refers to the mind. My pastor used to put it this way, if we'll change our mind, God will change our heart. But if we don't change our mind, God won't change our heart. And so Paul is really encouraging us, chapter one, to focus on Jesus, to put him as our central focus. And then in chapter two, to put others before ourselves. It's an easy time to get selfish. There's a lot of tension on families, tension inside of workplace, for us to put other people's needs before our own. So it's Jesus first, then others. Then chapter three, Paul focuses upon himself and he says, the things that I counted dear to myself, I'm willing to lose them to gain the knowledge of Christ. So Jesus, others, you. In chapter four, we're told to rejoice in the Lord always. So the theme of this book is joy to truly find joy in the Lord. What can set us apart right now as believers is that we have a joy that's not based upon our happiness. Happiness is the roller coaster. Happiness is, I got the promotion. But then the loss of happiness on the way home from hearing that I got the pr promotion, my car broke down. It's the ups and downs uh, of life. That's happiness. But joy can be consistent on who God is our relationship with him, and our promises of God. What if the unbelieving world looked at the church, looked at believers right now and said, there's something different about them because they have joy in the Lord. They're, they're choosing this Jesus, others, you lifestyle. So let's get into this epistle, this letter. Pray that it's encouraging for you this evening. Paul and Timothy, the bondservant of Jesus Christ. So Paul, who was Saul, we talked about him a little bit in our weekend message, this man who 
was a havoc to the church or a wrecking ball to the church. God transformed and changed his life in a moment as he was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. God got a hold of his life and he was changed and he became a great servant of the Lord. And he's with Timothy, the bondservant of Christ. And we know that as Paul is writing this epistle, he's actually in prison. So know that Paul is living out this truth of rejoicing in the Lord under a difficult circumstance. We may feel like this is a prison-like experience, this pseudo-quarantine that we're going through because of the, the coronavirus. And as we're in more isolation, these truths of rejoicing in the Lord that Paul is teaching us are so important. He's traveling with Timothy. Timothy is his young disciple, his young protege, who's coming along in these missionary journeys. Paul never did ministry alone. These two are joined together and they refer to themselves as bondservants of Christ, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Going back to Exodus chapter 21, for the Hebrews, if they had a slave, they're only to keep that slave for six years. Then on the seventh year, the slave was to be set free. But if that slave wanted to stay with the master, he would choose to continue with the master and get his ears pierced and was referred to as a bond slave. It was literally a slave by choice. So Paul says, I'm a slave by choice. I'm choosing to serve the Lord. For us, this is an important time to rest upon God's will. Not my will, but your will be done. Paul doesn't present himself as a great apostle. Paul simply presents himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. It shows Paul's humility as he approaches the church of Philippi. We see who he's writing to, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. The saints are those who are in Christ, those who are set apart in Christ. All that know Christ are our saints. Philippi is the city in which Paul is writing to. It's the eastern part of Greece and Macedonia. It's a Roman colony. We see the beginnings of the church of Philippi in the book of Acts. Paul was led by the Spirit to go to Macedonia. When he gets to Macedonia, there's a prayer meeting. Lydia is having a prayer meeting with other women by the river, and she and her household get saved. Then Paul is traveling through the streets of Philippi, and there is a girl who's a slave who's demon-possessed. And God leads Paul to pray for her, and she's delivered from these demons. The only problem was is she made money for her master predicting the future. So once she was delivered, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. It says that they were placed in the center of the prison with stocks. Paul begins to read the scriptures and sing hymns, meditate upon the promises of God, and sing songs to the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. A great example for us with difficult circumstances to choose to rejoice in the Lord. That's why I hope uh, tonight in the live stream you were receiving along with us as Billy and Jay and Giselle were leading us in worship. Hey, why don't we do this right now on the chat is uh, go to your chat feature and let us know your favorite worship song. What, what is it, the song that God has put on your heart right now in this season that you have been singing to the Lord? I want to encourage you, even though we can't sing corporately like we're used to doing, 
is let's fill our homes with songs unto the Lord. Get those worship songs out and sing them to the Lord. Allow your family to be encouraged through that. I've been enjoying listening to Way FM as I've been in my car driving around. They're playing a lot of songs of, of hope. So let us know what your favorite worship song is. And Paul and Barnabas, they're worshiping unto the Lord. God then sends an earthquake. There's a jailbreak. You would think all of the prisoners would run for their lives, but Paul begged them, pleaded with them, stay here, don't run off, because they would kill the captain of the guard if all of the prisoners left. So they stay, and amazingly, the prison guard gets saved. He was the one who had beaten Paul, but now he gets saved and his whole household. So this is the beginning of the church of Philippi. The church of Philippi was built upon rejoicing in the Lord in difficult circumstances. That's what God used to be able to birth this church. Inside of the church of Philippi, there's bishops, which are overseers, and there's deacons. And bishops are the elders of the church. And in our church, our pastoral staff are elders, as well as our board of elders are giving that oversight that's listed here. Every church should have bishops that are giving spiritual care and oversight and authority to the body. I gotta tell you, this week, I'm so thankful, once again, for our bishops, for our pastors, for for our elders. I could not get through this without the support of our pastoral team and our elders, and I want you to know our pastors, our board of elders, are praying for you and are involved in all of the decisions that have been impacting us as a church the last few weeks. The the deacons caring for the physical needs of the church. And I'm blessed with all of those that care for the physical aspect of the church and the body. We're so thankful for Donnie. Donnie's here serving, continuing to keep the facility nice, even as we're on this coronavirus break. He was taking the opportunity to wax all of the concrete floors. And many of you care for the church and the physical needs and really fulfill this role of being deacons. In verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, Paul is writing to those who are believers, but he's saying there's a fresh measure of grace that God wants to give you. And I believe that that's a word from the Lord for us tonight, as there's stress. I think this is affecting all of us to where there's stress, is God wants to give us an outpouring of his grace, a fresh outpouring of his grace that comes through Christ. That's going to result in peace in our lives. I'd encourage you in relationships with family, friends, coworkers, those around you at the grocery store, give grace. This is a season where we want to receive and give grace, and it's going to result in peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace never comes before grace in these greetings. It's always grace first and then God's peace. We have to be relying upon God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor in Jesus. Grace doesn't stop pouring into our lives when we're saved. God continues pouring grace into our lives. So grace is the Greek greeting, and peace is the Hebrew greeting, shalom, grace to you, and peace 
from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are tonight, write down number one, confident in the body. Paul says, I'm thankful for the body. I'm thankful for every remembrance of you. Thanksgiving gives birth to more thanksgiving. One of the things that's good that's coming out of this season and this experience that we're going through is, I think we have a greater appreciation for the body. I can tell you that's true for me tonight. As I'm sharing via live stream, I miss all of you guys being here in the sanctuary. We miss being able to gather together. And Paul says, every time that I think about the body, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for every remembrance of you. I want to take this opportunity to encourage you to keep being the body, just because we can't be in each other's physical presence. RMC, care for one another. Send texts to fellow believers. Consider setting up a, a Zoom phone call with three or four believers or having a group call through your iPhone. If you know there's needs inside of the body, if you know someone that doesn't have groceries, that needs groceries that shut in, care for them, care, care for the body, meet the needs of the body, but also seek to meet the needs of unbelievers. Don't stop caring for each other in the midst of this. A phone call right now goes a long way. Is there another believer, as we think about being confident in the body, being thankful that we're connected to the body, that needs a phone call, that needs a text, uh, that needs for you to stop by and be able to uh, check on them. So Paul says, I'm thankful for the body. I'm confident in the body. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy. Paul loves to pray for the church of Philippi, and it brings him joy uh, to do so. Know that we're praying for you. We encourage you to be praying for us as the pastoral uh, staff. But every time that Paul would pray, he would pray for the church of Philippi. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia, means to share in common. Their fellowship is in the gospel from the first day until now. And that's true for us. What binds us together is the gospel. That Jesus is crucified for our sins and risen again. That's the greatest source of our fellowship. We have the gospel. We have the good news of Jesus Christ. We're able to fellowship in the gospel. Verse 6 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's hard to have a favorite verse, but this is definitely one of them. It says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So point number two is confident in the finisher. Confident in the finisher. He who began a good work in you. So as we're going through this crisis, can we be confident? And yes, we can be confident in this. He who began a good work will be faithful to be able to complete it. I remember the first time I read Philippians 1.6. I just recently come to know the Lord. I was reading through the New Testament and I was sitting at Harris Beach in Southern Oregon. The sun was setting over the Pacific coast reading Philippians chapter 1, and I read this amazing promise that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And it was so fresh in my life that God had begun this work, and as I was looking at the sunset, 
It caused my heart to have such confidence that God would be faithful to complete that good work that he has started. Sometimes in projects, it's easy to start a project, but it's hard to finish it. Anybody be like, yeah, I'm a good starter, but I'm a terrible finisher. We all probably have at least two or three projects at home that we've started that we haven't finished. Well, good news is that Jesus is a great starter, but he's also a tremendous finisher. He's a tremendous finisher. So he began the good work in you. He is the author of your faith, but he'll also be the finisher. So in the difficulties that we're going through, take hold of the truth that God is going to finish that good work that he started. God's going to be faithful to RMC. He's going to be faithful to the churches throughout the city. He's begun a good work in us. He's going to be faithful to complete that work, to finish that work. We do set our eyes on eternity. This is temporary. Someday we're going to be with the Lord. Jesus is going to come and rapture his church, take us home to be with the Lord. We're going to forever be with the Lord. God's a great beginner, but also he's a tremendous finisher. Verse 7 says, Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. So Paul is thinking about this truth in regards to his own life, but he's also confident of this in the church of Philippi, that God has begun the good work and he's going to be faithful to complete or finish that good work. So maybe there's a believer that you're worried about. Maybe your spouse is having a hard time going through this coronavirus challenge or your kids are are suffering or a close friend or there's a believer that you normally spend time with that you're not able to see face to face. Well, rest assured, God started that work in them. He's going to be faithful to complete it. As Paul was in prison and he was away from the church of Philippi, he's like, Lord, they're yours. I'm trusting that you are going to be faithful to complete that good work that you have started and you have begun. Goes on to say, insomuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. Paul says, insomuch my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you're, you're with me. So this is how we know that Paul is imprisoned. He's in chains because of the gospel's sake. One of the things that I've been thinking about as we've been going through this is the suffering that believers are going through for the gospel. We're going through suffering because of the coronavirus and our our lives are not as comfortable as normal. But in the Middle East, there's so many Christians that are being persecuted because of their love for Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of suffering that Paul was going through. In verse 8, For God is my witness how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. So Paul is really letting his love be made known to the church of Philippi. The word affection, it literally means bowels of Jesus Christ. And you're saying, Eric, what are you talking about? When Jesus was moved with compassion, he was actually moved from his gut. Have you ever felt something for someone so deeply that you're moved from it from your gut? And what Paul is saying here for the church of Philippi is he says, I long for you with my deepest affection, from the affection that comes from deep down inside of me. I bet you're feeling some of this right now. 
I bet you're feeling some of your love for the body. You're going, man, I would love to get together with believers. I want you to know as if the pastor here at RMC and our pastoral team is that, man, our hearts are to be with you. And we really are praying for you. And we are endeavoring to find creative ways to continue to to minister to you. But I think we can all relate with this and saying, yes, we have this affection of Jesus Christ towards fellow believers. Third thing, what, what were the first two points? We're confident in the finisher. We're confident in the body. And now we're confident in prayer. Point number three And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. So this is what Paul is praying for the church of Philippi. This is what we can pray for one another this evening. First is that our love may abound still more and more. Our love for Jesus, our love for one another, our love for those that don't know Christ as, as their Savior, that God would cause our love to abound more and more. What a great time for us to abound in love. How do we abound in love? We need to be connected to the vine. As we're connected to Christ, then the fruit of love abounds in our lives. So God, would you be gracious to cause us to abound in love still more and more, and then to have knowledge and discernment. Knowledge is that precise and act exact knowledge. It's, it's growing in the deep and intimate knowledge of Christ. I want to encourage you, as things are so crazy and that we're so in, inundated by media and drawn into what's going on through our phones, is take some time to set your phone aside and spend time with the Lord. More than ever, it's important for us to have time in the word and time in prayer where we're just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as we're sitting at the feet of Jesus, that we're growing in the knowledge of him. Of the disciples, it says, these guys are not trained, but we can tell that they've been with Jesus. Can our families, our our friends, our coworkers, can they tell that we've been with Jesus? So don't let the worry, the concern, The busyness keep us from sitting at the Lord's feet. Put the phone aside, turn it off for a couple hours and be still and know that the Lord is God. And then discernment is being able to determine what's right and what's wrong, what's from the Lord and what is not from the Lord. One thing for sure that this challenge brings up, this coronavirus brings up is we need wisdom from the Lord. We need discernment from the Lord. So seek the Lord for that discernment. Pray for that discernment. We pray that over you tonight, that God would give you the discernment that you need. Here's another opportunity to respond to this message uh, right now. If you're saying, right where I'm at, I need discernment. I need to know what the Lord would have me to do in this particular situation. Would you let our pastors know on the chat and we can pray for you uh, specifically. Let us know the circumstance in which you need discernment for. In verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of the knowledge of righteousness, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. So first he prays that the church of Philippi would be approved, which means to be tested or examined or to prove, to scrutinize 
that they'd also be sincere, that they would be genuine, that they'd be without offense. This is growing in sanctification that Paul is praying for. And then to be filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory of Christ. So here's my handy-dandy Nalgene bottle here. With the lid is off, when it gets bumped, whatever's inside spills out. And as we're bumped through the trials of life, whatever's in our heart is going to be spilled out. So what is this specific trial revealing about what's in my heart, in my life? And to say, Lord, I desire you to take the junk out and you to fill me with the fruits of righteousness. So that's Paul's prayer for the church of Philippi. Let's pause for a second. Let's think this through. Allow God to, to speak to us. Is are we confident in prayer? And are we seeing the opportunity to pray for one another as a church family, to pray for the body of Christ as a whole, to pray for our community and communities throughout the country? Paul's confident in prayer. You may be feeling like, I don't have a lot to be able to do to respond to this crisis. You can do what is most needed, and that's to pray, to cry out to the Lord. I was reading in my devotions this week in Judges, Samson was promised to be born. And Manoah, Samson's father, wanted confirmation, and he cried out to the Lord in prayer. And there's this simple phrase there in Judges, and it says, and the Lord listened to Manoah's prayer. God listens to your prayer. He hears your prayer. You can be confident in prayer. Cry out to the Lord and pray these things in over the body of Rocky Mountain Calvary. So verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that these things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. We can be confident in the gospel. And this is our fourth point this evening. Be confident in the gospel. Paul says, I got thrown in prison, and the reason that I got thrown in prison is it gave me an opportunity to share the gospel. Could you imagine being the prison guard that was assigned to watch over Paul? I bet you're going to hear the gospel. I bet you're going to hear Paul's testimony. And as we go through the coronavirus, it's definitely taking us to different places, different people, different opportunities, and to realize God is going to restructure my life in order for the furtherance of the gospel. I'm sure for some, this may be changing your work situation or it will change your work situation in the future. And that's a huge bummer and we're praying with you as you go through that. But the ultimately bigger picture of this is it's going to take place for the furtherance of the gospel. It's going to give you opportunities to share Christ that you wouldn't have otherwise. Remember, we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they chose not to bow down and worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And who came there to walk with them, one like unto the Son of God? It's a tremendous testimony unto God's glory, but they had to go through the fire. And Paul, being in prison, gave him the opportunity to share the gospel. It brought him before people that he wouldn't have had the chance to before. Many times in a really serious health challenge in our lives, 
it brings us before people that we would have never seen otherwise. And as we walk through that health journey and that challenge and that chronic illness, it, it brings us before people that we have the opportunity to, to share the Lord with. I remember there was years ago we were having some plumbing issues uh, on our house, our sprinkler system, and I had tried to get it working and I couldn't get it working and actually put the backflow valve on backwards and it was a disaster and had to call a plumber and was pretty upset about having to pay for him to do it. But at the end of my time with him at his house, I had an opportunity to share the gospel. And I was like, okay, Lord, there's something bigger here than my pocketbook. It's about being able to share the gospel. Many times we pray for opportunities. We go, God, I really desire for there to be an opportunity to share the gospel. But sometimes it means going through a prison-like circumstance in order to having that opportunity to share the gospel. I know I've been sharing on this quite a bit, but I want to encourage you that this is a tremendous time to be able to reach out. This is a tremendous time to be able to share the hope that we have in Christ. And so have gospel eyes, have gospel lenses, and look for opportunities to be able to share with others. Verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So the palace guard, those that are guarding Paul, they realize that there was a purpose in Paul's chains, that Paul's chains are in Christ. Please hear this. Paul did not feel chained to the Roman prison system. He felt chained to Christ. He knew that the Romans weren't in charge of his circumstances, but Christ was in charge of his circumstances. That's for us to lay hold on. That's for us to take our thoughts captive and go, wait a second, I'm not a prisoner to my circumstances. I am a prisoner to Jesus Christ. My chains are in Christ. In verse 13, so that it became evident to the whole, already read verse 13, You can go ahead and laugh, even though I can't hear you. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul says, people are emboldened because I'm going through a hard time and I'm holding on to Christ, and so they're strengthened to share their faith. Paul's sharing his faith in prison, so they're emboldened to be able to share their faith Uh, as well. People are watching how we're responding to these circumstances, and hopefully they're emboldened in Christ. But there's others that take advantage of this opportunity in a negative way. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. As Paul was chained, then there's some that went and preached Christ out of strife and out of selfish ambition. So we want to guard our heart that we're not serving the Lord or sharing Christ out of some kind of selfish ambition. Some have seen the kingdom of God as a territory for them to try to gain to themselves instead of truly serving for God's glory. Verse 17, but the latter out of love knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. So some are preaching Christ out of a sincere motivation. Verse 18, What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is preached, 
and this I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So Paul uses the word mind 10 times, but he also uses the word joy or rejoice 10 times. And here Paul says that he is rejoicing that Christ is preached, even though there's some that are preaching Christ out of strife, even though there's some that are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition. Paul could have been super bummed. He could have seen the contention and seeing how some are trying to fight against him. But he says, no, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the fact that even though they're preaching out of the wrong motivation, they're still preaching Christ, so I'm going to rejoice in that. An example of this may be that there's a church split, and some who divide in this church split, they have a heart of strife, and they have a heart of selfish ambition, trying to draw people unto themselves, but as they go, they're still preaching Christ. Then Paul says, I'm going to rejoice because they're preaching Christ. So your heartache tonight may be over another believer and their actions towards you, but are they still in Christ? And are they still sharing Christ and preaching Christ? Then you can rejoice in that they're preaching Christ. So here's the question for us tonight is, what is the source of my joy? And I think that that is especially challenging this evening in light of our circumstances is what is the source of my joy? And has the source of my joy been my job? Or has the source of my joy been my kid's school? Or has the source of my joy been my financial prosperity? And is my joy the Lord? Is he the source of my joy? God rebukes the children of Israel in the Old Testament because they had hewn for themselves their own cisterns, rejected God as the source of refreshment and nourishment in life, and tried to find life outside of the Lord. And we may not have realized that we've done that. Maybe we've been looking to good things. Maybe we've even been looking to ministry. You know, there's been a ministry that you enjoy doing that you're not able to do in light of these circumstances. And God says, man, that ministry really has become your idol. That, that ministry has really become your, your source of, of joy. You know, maybe the, the source of joy has been your kids' grades and their activities and their track meets and their you fill in the blank of their extracurricular activities and all of a sudden that's completely stopped and you're like, my life is over. And yes, it's super sad and it's a big bummer, but our source of joy hasn't gone away. Our source of joy is Christ. And this difficulty that we're going through, it really gives us opportunity to press into Christ being our life, to Christ being our joy. In a few more verses, we'll look at this next week. In verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is fill in the blank. And then you'll have your answer. But for me to live is Christ, then to die is gain. What is that source of your joy? What have you really put yourself into? The, the lesson for us to learn is the lesson of joy, to be thankful and to truly place our trust 
in the Lord. To be confident that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. So I want to end tonight with where I began, and that is, where are your thoughts? Where are your thoughts? And be very careful to not allow your thoughts to go to a destructive place. It's easy to do right now and to be consumed with fear, and to be consumed in worry. Start really studying the book of Philippians. Read ahead in the book of Philippians, and you'll see how many times that Paul mentions the mind. And choose tonight to say, I'm going to keep my mind on the Lord. And as I keep my mind on the Lord, then I'm going to be kept in, in perfect peace. So think about, okay, I know the Lord is my Father, and He takes good care of me. I'm going to focus on him as my father. I know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I'm going to focus on that. Jeremiah 29 11. God gives us this amazing promise for I know the thoughts I think towards you that of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So let's pray uh, together. And as we pray, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message. And if you say, you know what? My thoughts have been getting the best of me and I'm gripped with fear. I'm gripped with anxiety. I really had my thoughts spin out of control. There's power in responding for, for prayer. And one of the really neat things about the live chat is two is you can share. There's two things. The first is you can share. And I'd encourage you to do that right now. But then everybody watching can see your prayer request. And so as you're watching prayer requests come on, I would appreciate if you would pray for those. So if you need prayer, ask for prayer. If you don't need prayer, pray for those that need to receive prayer. It's much like in the sanctuary when we say, hey, if you need prayer, stand up, and then others around pray. So you stand up by responding, yeah, I need prayer. My thoughts are, are out of control. And then the rest of you respond and say that I am praying for you. But really focus upon that truth and that promise that God says he will keep you in perfect peace as your mind is stayed on him. Church, we're going to have peaks and valleys through all of this. There's going to be days where your mind's fixed upon the Lord and it's not very difficult. But then there's other days where you're really going to be battling to keep your mind uh, upon the Lord. So let's pray this in and let's pray for one another this evening. And this, if you need prayer, take advantage of it. God moves through prayer. So Father, we love you and we thank you. You see our hearts and you see our minds. And you know when we struggle with fear, fear over finances, Lord, fear over loss of jobs, Lord, fear over physical health, fear over relationships, God, we're asking in Jesus' name, by your grace, that you would help us in this area of our thoughts and that our minds would be fixed on you, that you're the author and the finisher of our faith, that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. And right now, I pray for those that are responding, that are saying, man, my thoughts are out of control. I'm in a place of weariness and fear, that you would meet them and that you would provide your, your peace for them. So God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.